let's talk about uh, the gift of God. I think this is part four. Uh, there have been so many of them we've, we've shared, but the gift of God. And I want to just kind of bring you back uh, to, uh, in your memories, in your minds, to what we were talking about in John chapter 4, just to bring you, you back a little bit, uh, take you back a little bit. Uh, John uh, records that Jesus had to go to Samaria, and, uh, and in Samaria there was a woman uh, who, was, who came to the well to draw water. Uh, the, the Bible says it was the sixth hour of the day, and she came to draw water there at the well. Jesus had a conversation with her because that was why the Holy Spirit took him to, uh, through Samaria. And uh, Jesus, in John chapter 4, verse 10, he said to her, if you knew, because he had asked her for a drink of water, and she was telling him the differences between the Samaritans and the Jews, how Jews uh, did not care for Samaritans, and here you want to drink my water out of my dipper. And so Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He would have given you living water. If you knew the gift of God, you would have received living water. If you knew the gift of God, the living water is, is the spirit of God, is the spirit of God. And when you ingest as it were, receive the Spirit of God, you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot receive the Lord Jesus without receiving the Spirit, and you cannot receive the Spirit without receiving the Lord Jesus. I would like to say that that argues uh, for the divinity of Christ, that if anybody wants to say that Christ is not divine, this argues for the divinity of Christ is when the Spirit comes, Jesus is there. Ephesians uh, bring, uh, also brings us up to speed by saying in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, uh, Paul teaches us, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So, so the gift of God is, is salvation in this context, is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But you cannot be saved without the Spirit. So the Spirit is working in your salvation. So the Spirit is the gift of God. Now I want us to, to look at, at John chapter 6, and verses 27 through 32, and we will begin to understand this more fully. I've been really tremendously blessed by the Lord in, um, in my conversations with Him in the wee hours of the, of the morning normally, uh, somewhere around 1, 30, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. I have my best time with the Lord. I know, remember, remember a number of years ago when I had to get up at 5 o'clock and go to work or get reports in at 5 a.m. or something, I would, when the Lord would talk with me, I would say, Lord, I have to work in the morning and I'm going to be tired. I, I, don't, I know you have never done that, but I've done that many times. And I've grown out of that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In John chapter 6, verse 27 Jesus says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. So labor for that which is eternal, not temporal. And, I, and my, I like to spend a lot of my time trying to get believers to stop working so hard for the temporal and neglecting the eternal. Yes, Lord. He says here, 
do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal upon him, the Son of Man. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. So this is the work of God. When you really say, well, I, I want to do something. God wants me to do something. Uh, I want to do something for Jesus. I want to do something for God. He says, believe him. That is your work, is to believe him. And, and he says, uh, Jesus says, uh, therefore, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? And so they're continually testing Jesus, although he had healed the, uh, the blind, the lame, uh, the leprous. He had done so many marvelous works. They still were testing, as it were, him. He said, what work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And what they're saying is they're, they're pitting Jesus against Moses by saying, look, you just fed, what, 5,000 men, maybe 20,000 people, but Moses fed a multitude. You know, so show us something, you know, skip, hop, dance, do something. You know, this is what they're saying to the Son of God. And so often we tempt or test God, rather, it's a better word. We test God in some ways like that. Well, Lord, you did it for this one. Why can't you do it for the other? Why can't you do it for the why, why, why did you answer my prayer the way I wanted you to answer it? And, and uh, man is still doing these things. And so Jesus says um, to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. I'm sure that just really boggled their minds. Moses did not give you bread from heaven. They had quoted the scripture. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. He says, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. And so what Jesus wants us to understand is that what he has brought to us is greater than anything that has ever been brought to mankind. Yeah. And when Jesus says that his father has given them the true bread, Jesus is speaking of bread that cannot never mold, can never uh, be corrupted in any way. He is speaking of that which is of the Spirit. So often I've heard believers say things like, uh, no, I'm talking about the real world. You know, we, we, we're talking about God, uh, God things. We're talking about things of the Spirit. And they'll say, no, no, I'm talking about the real world now. No, the world that you see is not the real world. The world that we are living in, the God sphere, the Christ sphere, is the real world. It's the world that lasts forever. But even Christians sometimes have been duped into thinking that what's out there is real. No, what's in here is real, and what's here is real. So Jesus, said, so Jesus goes on to say, for the bread of God is he, a person, who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then in verse 47, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Jesus reiterates again. He reiterates again. I am the bread of life. 
Now, why does Jesus keep speaking like this? Because there's something they're not getting. They are accustomed to seeing, feeling, you know, touching things and thinking, oh, that's the reality. And we are the same way. But Jesus is showing them something. He says, he is bread. I'm sure they looked at him, and you'll find it in the text later. They're looking at him thinking, there's something's not jibing here. Something's wrong here. But Jesus is saying, no, I am the bread. So now I'm sure they're wondering, well, how do we eat this man's body, his flesh? Because they're still thinking carnally. So what God wants us to do is to understand the gift of God and to bring us out of our carnality. To bring, but that's what he has delivered us from. He has brought us into a, onto a higher plane and a higher way of looking at things and understanding. You and I can understand a reality that people without Christ can never even see. So we understand the reality. We understand spiritual things. We understand that the gift of God is the Holy Spirit. We understand that the Holy Spirit now has brought salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. We realize that, that salvation is this divine initiative that requires something that humans can't give. That is a divine response. So, so that means that the, the work of God in salvation is, is uh, his initiative, and then he turns around and gives you and me the response. So he says here, um, I am the bread of life. I am, in verse 48, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Can you imagine a man saying to, to a group of religious people, I am the bread of life? And they think that, oh, wait a minute, these are the scriptures we know. And sometimes we're the same way. I find that, as someone has said so well, history continues to repeat itself. And those of us who are believers in Christ should grasp the fact that history repeats itself so that we'll understand some things. But those of us who really know Jesus know, we know that whether history repeats itself to them or not is another matter. It's not going to repeat itself to me. I'm not going to have to learn over and over and over the same thing. I'm not, I'm, I understand that Jesus speaks in spiritual terms, that Jesus doesn't speak in natural terms. But the natural man is, is going through this evolution or revolution revolving always the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, and never learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. But you and I have stepped out of that revolving, that merry-go-round. We have stepped out of that thing and because we understand that the real things are things the human eye cannot see. Listen to what he says. Your father ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. I, I love that. It's very poignant. Very, very poignant. He says, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. What Jesus is saying to them, if that were truly the bread of, of heaven, if the manna was truly the bread of heaven, then your fathers would not have died. This is what he's showing us. He says, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. So you and I, you say, well, wait a minute. Uh, believers die too. And, and see, that's a carnal response to a spiritual matter. The, the reality is believers don't die anymore like we suppose. They do not. They change places. They do not die like we suppose. The Bible had to come up with a... Go ahead and give the Lord. Give the Lord a little hand. 
the Bible came up with another definition of death and called it sleep. Because Jesus changed everything. Jesus changed everything. Now, listen to what he says. If, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. I am the living bread, verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. So, so then Jesus is showing us that there's a work of the Spirit of God that we cannot see but is, a, is the only reality in this conversation. It's not a greater reality. It's the only reality Amen. in this situation. Listen to what he says. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. I've been looking at these things and, and I've been, I'm even standing here today thinking about what God has said. I've read these verses much of my life, more than six decades, perhaps seven decades. <laughs> I have read these verses and they are more meaningful to me today than ever before. I want to just pause just for a moment and think about the gift of God, the Spirit of God, and to think about what Jesus has done for us in that Jesus Christ has caused us to be born of God. And I know I've said that umpteen hundred times in the last three or four weeks. But to be born of God is a huge thing. It's greater than I think our minds can conceive. It's very difficult to grasp the fact that we've had a second birth. And that in this second birth, we were uh, alive, as it were. We became alive and we recognized that we became alive at the second birth. And and then we're watching the second birth operating in our lives, causing us to understand things that we could not understand before, causing us to know that God is our own father, Amen. that it's not like he is our play dad or a dad that we just say it and somehow mystically it will be true. But no, he, God, brought us forth in a second birth that we are now a new creation, a kind of people that were never before, a, a, a kind of entity that never, never had existence before. We are seeing it take place. And so those things are informing me, and sometimes they're hard to articulate how we are now a new creation that is engendered by God, engendered by God, brought forth by God. Somebody said, oh, I got that. Do you really have that? Do you have the fact that now somehow in the realm of God that he has made us brother to Jesus, our Savior? Uh, I mean, I, I, the, he talks about the gift of God. That's what he's talking about. We are now, brother, I remember as a very young man in my 20s, mid-20s, hearing someone say that Jesus was our elder brother, and I thought he was blaspheming. 
and I wanted to rebuke him sharply that Jesus was our elder brother, and, and he said it without giving fuller context, but it was the truth whether he gave the fuller context or not, and that Jesus is, and the Scripture, the Holy Spirit tells us, shows us that, that Jesus was brought forth uh, by God's will. He came forth by the will of God. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and, and caused and brought the word of God, the logos of God, and as it were, inserted it into the womb of, of the Virgin Mary, and, and Jesus came forth from that. He came forth from, from the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, and, and Jesus says to this woman at the well, if you, knew, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who I was, you would ask of me, and, I, and I'm asking God to give all of us understanding and give us revelation as to what this gift of God is and, and how it, it works for us in that now God is now God the Father, Jehovah, Yahweh, is now our own dad because the spirit that he is brought us forth as a new kind of creation, a new creation. We are not the people we used to be. And so often, so we are in this uh, already but not yet phase. We're in the already but not yet phase. You know, we're already who God says we are, but not quite yet in the sense that we are on a journey somewhere. But I now know the gift of God. I'm beginning to understand the gift of God that now God has made us not play sons like we used to play as kids, but he has made us real, actual sons engendered by him. I, Jesus told, in this context, Jesus said that when he said, uh, if anyone eats of this bread himself, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And uh, then Jesus' disciples, it wasn't the, uh, those, in a, uh, those in the crowd, as it were, but some of Jesus' disciples, 70 of them, uh, had a, a problem with the preaching of Jesus. They had a problem with the preaching of Jesus. I trust that nobody has a problem with this somewhat intricate subject. It's a very intricate subject of who we are and how, we, how God has brought us forth. And he didn't bring us for the will of man, but he brought us for the will of God. He pray, we, he taught, Jesus taught us how to pray, and, and, and uh, Matthew records it when he says, this is how you should pray, our Father. He's, Jesus was telling us, even before Paul had the revelation, to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And your job and my job as spiritual beings, your job and my job as a new creation is to pursue the will of God on the earth and not the will of man, but the will of God. That's our job. That's our job. And God will have a people who will do that. But here when Jesus was preaching, as it were, or teaching, many of his disciples sort of wanted to debunk that. They thought that made no sense. And Jesus asked them, does this offend you? He says, if this offends you, that I'm, uh, this, this power, this analogy that I'm giving you, if this truth offends you, then he said, uh, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? 
because Jesus knew that it was going to be a short while that on, on the Mount of Olives he was going to ascend to heaven and his disciples were going to see him. He says, if this offends you, that's going to offend you. Wow. So, wow. This is an amazing reality, what Jesus has for us all. We must know the gift of God. I am understanding the gift of God. And this is what he says, Jesus says in verse 62 of John chapter 6, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. What does Jesus say? It is the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not here just to uh, make me a, a wonder to everybody, you know, have me going around performing and I'm the big star of the show. That's not the Holy Spirit's uh, mission here. He says it is the Spirit who gives life. So everywhere the Holy Spirit is manifested, then there must be life there. There must be life in your home. There will be life in this church. There will be life in your car. Wherever you are, that should be life. Everything should teem with life, the life of God, the gift of God. You and I have the gift of God, and sometimes, and this is not a rebuke, it's just information for you, good information, but sometimes we're like children. You know, children can play with things and not know the value of them. You know, they'll play with anything. If, if, if you have a, a $50,000 Rolex, they'll ask you, Daddy, let me see it. You, t you take your $50,000 Rolex off. They'll play with it, put it in the mud, do whatever. You know, I mean, they love Daddy. They don't mean to hurt you, but they don't know what they have. And so often we don't know what we have. And I want to just keep talking to us about what we have. Yeah. So, so the Bible is full of spirit. The Bible is full of spirit. And so you can't understand the Bible with a carnal mind. Uh, Jesus goes on to say the flesh profits nothing. So it, it brings nothing to the table. The words that I speak to you, Jesus says, are spirit and they are life. So what we find is that the Word of God, the Bible, is full of the life of God. That's why we should read the Bible. We should, we should listen to preaching. We should listen to teaching because it's full of life. It's full of the life of God. Jesus himself is our spiritual bread. He is our spiritual bread. Uh, you know, you may be in situations where people will poke fun at you or, or say things that will cause others to laugh, and I've been in that context. I, I, one, of my, uh, one of my badges, if I have badges, was when I was in, in the university and the teacher was an atheist in one of my political science classes. He was an atheist. And so I actually, to be very frank with you, I, I was uh, under conviction that day. I wasn't really living the way God wanted me to live. And, uh, but when he said there was no God, I just had to say something. I wasn't really acting right with, my, with God, but I knew he existed. And I was a little upset with him. Maybe I was a lot upset with him. Um, but I, I, was, I, was, I guess I was going to just go to hell just to make his heart break because he didn't do what I wanted. But anyway, and I shouted out to the professor. I, I didn't shout out, but I spoke up and I said to him, I said, there, there is a God. And he looked at me and he said, Mr. Laval, you are an ignorant man. That's one of my badges. I'm an ignorant man. An ignorant man. An unaware man. So unaware that I know that God is. So, so unaware that I know that Jesus is spiritual bread. So unaware that I know that spiritual bread is eternal. Not only is it, it is eternal, but it is our very life. 
It is our very life. And that's why Jesus has us here. The Holy Spirit is so amazing. I'll take a few more minutes to talk about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, Jesus, verses 25 through whichever ones I get to, he says, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So Jesus is showing us that the Holy Spirit is the parakletos, the helper. It was, it's like um, if you were to break down in, on, your, on your drive to San Antonio uh, and you call, get your cell phone out and you call AAA and they, they send you some help to get you back on the road. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He is the parakletos. He gets you through things that you couldn't get through. You said, I thought Jesus was. Yes, it was Jesus. It, he's doing the work of Jesus. Jesus said, when I go, go to heaven, I'm going to send you another helper. I'll, he said, and when he comes, he's going to reveal all these things to you. He's going to make sense out of all the things I told you that you couldn't understand. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He will whisper to you in the night at 2 in the morning and 3 in the morning. He will tell you things that involve your day. Yes, he will get you through sorrow and pain. And many of us have gone through much sorrow and pain and pain. But Jesus gets us through. He'll get us through. Uh, I want to read in Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 11 through 13. I, th I think this is important uh, as we try to close this message today. Luke 11, 11 says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. And notice what he says. In other words, you being unregenerate know how to give good gifts to your children. Even as an unregenerate person, the grace of God doesn't allow you to be totally crazy. It's just the goodness of God. So, so that if your child asks for bread, you don't give him a rock. If he asks for a, a, a fish, you don't give him a snake. If he asks for an egg, you don't give him a scorpion. Why? Because of the grace of God. And without the grace of God, without Jesus being generous even to the unregenerate, we would have no value. But listen what he said. But if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Speaking about the gift of God. The gift of God. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so what I want us to do is, is just to re reflect on that for just a moment. The Holy Spirit. I want you, if you're here today, now you say, well, I have Jesus, but I don't have the Holy Spirit. You can't have uh, Jesus and not have the Holy Spirit. There may be manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and there are manifestations of the Holy Spirit that you and I, I believe, will explore, uh, explore forever and ever and ever. And that's a mind-boggling statement. But I want you to be acutely aware of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Ezekiel, the, the Bible says in verse, uh, chapter 11, verses 19 and 20, he promised to take the stony heart out of their flesh, his people, and give them a heart of flesh that they might walk in his statutes and keep his judgments and do them, and they shall be my people and I'll be their God. And then in Ezekiel 36, verses 24 through 20, 
27. He says he's going to sprinkle clean water on them, and they're going to be clean. The Holy Spirit is going to do a work, and they were going to, he was going to cleanse them. He says, I'll cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. You know, we don't necessarily have little carved idols anymore, but we have idols. You know, television brings a lot of idols. Internet brings a lot of idols. All kinds of idols we have. We have. But he says, I'm going to cleanse you from that. And I think that this is the period of time where God is cleansing us from it. He said, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And listen to what he says. I will put my spirit within you. I will put my spirit, the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God is now in you. He says, this is what, what is going to happen when the Spirit of God is in you. I'll cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments. And you will do them when my Spirit is in you. I know I talk about my dad a lot. He affected my life and my mom too in ways that they're still, I'm still learning from the teachings they gave. You may think, well, you're slow. No, they were from the Word of God. I don't think they told me things from man. They taught me the Word of God. And, and you and I have an amazing opportunity to walk something out. To walk out every word of God, every promise of God. It's the gift that's in us. We have the same spirit right now. It's not imaginary in us right now as we sit here and we stand here that God is. I don't know what that does for you, but we have the same spirit that God is. We've been brought forth by him. Naturally, I was brought forth by my dad and mom. I was a little boy. I don't look as much like dad with complexion as some of my other brothers. But I walk just like him. I talk like him. Think, think like he would think. He never was satisfied with just what he saw on the line. He wanted to know what was between them. I'm just like my daddy. Mom used to say, boy, you're just like your daddy. But more than being like my natural dad, whenever I walk, whenever I talk, when I love I want people to be reminded of Yahweh. I want them to be reminded of Jesus Christ. That's what God is after. Not that you have a nice little relationship with the Lord. A nice, comfortable relationship where the world likes you and you're friends with the world and you think it's good. 
let's do better. Let's give it all to Jesus. And let's leave it on the field. Amen. I'll be back in just a minute.